It's Wednesday, March the 2nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russia prepares to hit Kyiv and Biden speaks out. First, the world in brief. The Russian Defense Ministry warned that it is preparing to hit targets in Kyiv, Ukraine's capital. An immense column of Russian tanks and weaponry, thought to be at least 60 kilometers long, is still moving slowly towards the city. Russian forces struck the government district of Kharkiv, the country's second city, with a missile on Tuesday morning, causing a huge explosion. Street fighting was reported in the southern city of Kherson after it was reportedly surrounded on all sides by the Russian army. Power cuts were reported in the eastern city of Mariupol, which has been the site of fierce fighting for nearly a week. The Ukrainian parliament reported that Belarusian troops had crossed the border in the Chernyiv region just hours after Alexander Lukashenko, the president of Belarus, insisted that his country would not take part in the fighting. America, which has warned that Belarus was likely to join in, says it has seen no evidence of such action yet. Belarus has hosted many of the Russian troops now invading Ukraine. Just on Monday, Mr Lukashenko suggested the country could host Russian nuclear weapons. In his first State of the Union speech, Joe Biden, America's president, said that Vladimir Putin, his Russian counterpart, must, quote, pay a price for his actions in Ukraine. He announced that America would join the EU and Canada in banning Russian flights from its airspace and warned of more sanctions. He said Mr Putin, quote, has no idea what's coming. In Russia, meanwhile, Mr Putin signed a decree banning anyone taking more than $10,000 in foreign currency out of the country after Western sanctions tanked the ruble. Apple said it would pull its products, both physical and virtual, from the Russian market, joining a growing list of companies, from Ford to Nike, to have ditched the country in response to the invasion. Google removed RT, the Russian state news broadcaster, from its news aggregator, and Apple made it unavailable to download from its app store outside of Russia. Meta, Facebook's parent company, and YouTube restricted access to the outlets for EU users. Meanwhile, Russia banned TV Rain and Echo Moskvi Radio, two independent media outlets. It accused the outlets of posting, quote, deliberately false information about Russian soldiers in Ukraine. Russian media has been told not to refer to Russia's invasion as an invasion. The European Parliament voted to work towards granting Ukraine the status of a candidate to join the European Union. Earlier, the EU said the process would be, quote, difficult, as some EU countries oppose expanding the bloc any further. Ukraine would have to meet a number of economic and political conditions first. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said his country is, quote, fighting for survival, and asked European leaders to, quote, prove that you are with us. The oil price continued to surge. Brent crude broke $110 a barrel, despite America announcing it would tap into its strategic reserves to help stabilise the market. The IMF and the World Bank warned that rapidly increasing commodity prices could fuel inflation. Meanwhile, the World Bank said it is preparing a $3 billion financial package 
to help support Ukraine over the coming months that will include funds for health and education. Other news In the part of the State of the Union speech not dedicated to the war in Ukraine, Mr Biden said bringing inflation under control was his, quote, top priority and promised a, quote, infrastructure decade. He also championed a bill to counter China's rise, including by investing heavily in domestic semiconductor production. Libya's parliament approved a new government, led by Fatih Bashaga, whom the parliament recently appointed prime minister. Abdullah Hamid al-Dabeba, the incumbent prime minister, has refused to cede power until elections take place. Eight people are now reported to have died in flash flooding that hit Australia on Monday. And fact of the day, $630 billion, the value of Russia's foreign exchange reserves, which have been targeted by Western sanctions. And now here's today's agenda. Hitting Russia where it hurts. As Ukrainian cities brace for bombardment, an economic war is raging too. The unity shown by Western allies and the intensity of the sanctions they have imposed on Russia has taken many aback. Europe, in particular, has gone much further than ever before. Russian financial markets are reeling after the central bank, whose $630 billion of reserves are a cornerstone of Russia's, quote, fortress economic strategy, was targeted. Moscow says the sanctions will not make it change course. Nevertheless, the West will try to inflict more pain, even if it continues to eschew energy sanctions for fear of higher prices. The screw could be turned further on Russia's banks and on its access to Western technology. Many multinationals are acting even without the pressure of sanctions. BP and Shell are exiting Russian investments. Maersk is suspending container deliveries. Western officials' stated aim of turning Russia into an economic pariah may be met quicker than they imagined. Putin's greatest ally As the global community increasingly turns its back on Russian President Vladimir Putin, one man has remained steadfastly by his side. His Belarusian counterpart, Alexander Lukashenko, also dubbed, quote, Europe's last dictator, has facilitated military incursions into Ukraine thus far. Russian troops amassed inside their allies' border before the invasion. Belarus is just a few hours north of Kyiv, making it an ideal point of departure for encircling the Ukrainian capital. The EU's foreign policy chief has said of Mr Lukashenko's Belarus that, quote, it's very clear Minsk is now an extension of the Kremlin. But there is some confusion over Belarus's exact role. On early Tuesday, Mr Lukashenko denied that Belarus would send troops to Ukraine. Despite the Belarusian president's claims, however, the Ukrainian parliament later reported that Belarusian troops had in fact moved onto Ukrainian soil in the Cherniv region, just over the border. America says it has seen no evidence of that yet. But trusting Mr Lukashenko should not be done lightly. Foreign Students, 
caught in the crossfire. Naveen Shekharapa Guyana Gowda, a 21-year-old Indian medical student, was standing in a queue for groceries on Tuesday when Russian shells rained down on Kharkiv, Ukraine's second biggest city. The bombardment killed him and at least nine others. Mr. Guyana Gowda was one of nearly 80,000 foreign students in Ukraine, which has well-regarded Soviet-era universities charging low fees. Almost all of those students are now trying to leave. Few are succeeding. Many have struggled to get on trains and buses to take them to the border. Even among those that reach it, many have failed to cross. Several African students have accused Ukrainian border officials of discrimination. Indian students have complained of being manhandled. Governments which have steered clear from the conflict are now scrambling to respond. India, which has the biggest group of students in the country, has begun airlifting some of those who made it to neighbouring countries. With its citizens under threat, so could be the neutrality that India has tried to maintain over the conflict. Emmanuel Macron takes it to the wire. The President of France is expected soon to announce that he is running for re-election. He may do so today. The deadline to declare is Friday, by which time contenders must supply 500 signatures from elected officials in order to be on the ballot. The two-round election itself will be held on April 10th and April 24th. Among those candidates who have declared but were scrambling until yesterday to secure the necessary signatures are the nationalist populist Marine Le Pen and the far-right Eric Zemmour. Mr Macron delayed his announcement because of a surge of Covid-19 in January and then Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But this will make for an unusually short campaign. His opponents will be given little time to challenge him. It will also be a sombre one against the backdrop of war in Europe. These conditions seem likely to favour the sitting president. Our election forecasting model now puts the probability of Mr Macron's winning at 89%. The saga of Theranos on screen. Interest in the rise and fall of the health technology startup and its self-made billionaire founder, Elizabeth Holmes, shows little signs of abating. The first authoritative account of Theranos arrived in May 2018, a few months before the company was dissolved. In the years before, John Carreyrou, a journalist at the Wall Street Journal, helped to expose its dishonest claims about the efficacy of its blood testing apparatus. His book, Bad Blood, became a bestseller in America. The Dropout, a popular podcast, was released in 2019. A television adaptation of the show has its premiere on Hulu, a streaming service, on Thursday. A Hollywood film based on Mr. Carrieroo's book starring Jennifer Lawrence is also in development. Amanda Seyfried, star of The Dropout, has described the role, including Miss Holmes's affected deep voice, as great fun to play. The real Miss Holmes, once celebrated on the cover of Forbes, was found guilty in January of four counts of fraudulently deceiving investors. She is currently awaiting sentencing. Daily Quiz 
our baristas serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which breed of chicken is named after the Italian port of Livorno? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mikhail Gorbachev, who was born on this day in 1931. Does not most of the world community already regard weapons of mass destruction as unacceptable for achieving political objectives? That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 